It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Welcome to Carcon Carne. I'm James Van Alstel, still doing this from home as we head toward the end of 2020. My guest tonight, he is the chief operating officer of the Cornerstone Restaurant Group. He is Danny McGowan, the restaurant group that you know from places like Urban Belly, you know from Michael Jordan's restaurant, uh, everything Chef Bill Kim does. Danny, we know that this year has been, it's, it's been awful, but instead of talking about the bad out of the gate, as we look back and look ahead, what inspired you or what gives you hope as we head into the future for the restaurant business? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I love that we're starting that way because I'm, I'm a big glass half full guy. I believe that, uh, you know, you, you got to look at what, what goods. I'm also a big believer in like, you know, every, every problem is an opportunity, right? So uh, there's going to be a lot of pain, but I, it, what, what's inspired me, I think, it's interesting. I did a kind of a call or interview in March or April, and I was very positive. And frankly, I thought we'd be back to doing some events and stuff by November, December. I was wrong, but um, I, I just believe like, you know, it, it's going to turn around. And it's not that I'm anti or don't believe in COVID. I, d I do. I know it's a problem, but I just, you know, nine months ago, I thought, yeah, well, it's going to be a tough three to six months, but things will turn around. Obviously, that didn't happen. But the point is, I think, one of the things I mentioned in that in that conversation was I, the great operators, the guys and girls that are out there are going to learn so much and, piv and, and, and learn to pivot or change or do unique and different things. So seeing um, people, yeah, everybody pivoted to carry out, but put, making their stores into little shops, you know, is, is something different. Making whoever thought that we would have carry out like alcohol and beverages, like people making drinks and drink kits and doing great stuff. People not just doing carry out, but doing Thanksgiving dinner packages and now Christmas packages and now New Year's Eve packages and, 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 and grill steak kits. You know, uh, the Gibson's guys did great stuff with that. Antique Taco did cool beverage kits, you know, Bar Biscay, which unfortunately didn't is closed now, but they pivoted early to kind of the, the market. I mean, everybody was doing these great things. And I think that um, as painful as this has been, that people have learned a lot of stuff. And, and really, I think our business, um, hospitality and specifically restaurants, it's a pennies business. Literally, it's, it's a pennies bottom line business. And so the leaders in this industry have always had to be entrepreneurs and have to be creative and have to think, how do they redo their model? So the ones that already had that spirit, like within a week or two, were already thinking, whoa, we got it. Like, what can we do different? They didn't, they weren't waiting. They were already thinking about carry out, about packages, about drinks, about, hey, if we could do events, how would we do events? Hey, they never got to do them, but they were thinking about like, how can we be creative? So I, I think there's been a lot, we've done a ton, but there's a lot of people have done a, a lot of great, great stuff. And we've seen that in other industries too. We've seen it in the music business for sure. It's, it's, you said it, you can't wait. You can't wait for things to return to the way they were. 
How do you pivot? How do you find new ways to do old things? And I, I think innovation has been so important. And I, it's not to diminish the the gravity, the, the enormity of, of what we've all been through this year, but there is a glass half full perspective, being able to to challenge yourself as a business owner and do something, basically make Shinola from shit is what I'm trying to say, Danny. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, they make great watches and now they make bikes and they do all sorts of cool stuff. But yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I obviously, tough year. Cornerstone Restaurant Group in spring, not long after the pandemic hit, uh, had to close the doors of Michael Jordan Steakhouse on Michigan Avenue. Yeah. Tell me, that had to have been an agonizing decision to make. Yeah, it, you know, the, the steakhouse, we actually over, uh, we oversee uh, that. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of management consulting deal that we work with IHG. It was a great group. Um, so it, it, that one was particularly difficult because um, the staff is, is the hotel staff, but we work with them day to day. And it, it was just... Um, and, and they were great. I mean, they tried to keep people on and, and but, you know, the city was empty, literally. I mean, this it, and it's still kind of empty, which is sad. I mean, they, you had the pandemic and then you had all the other nonsense that went on over the summer. I'm not good or bad, whatever. I mean, it was just there was a tough summer all yeah. across the board. And, and uh, you know, Michigan Avenue is still just not where it was. Um, and I'm not, it'll get back. It always does. It's a great Avenue. It's a great Boulevard. The, the, the riverfront is unbelievable. We have some of the best beaches in the city. I mean, it's come, it'll come back. It's just going to take time, but right now, um, no conventions, right. Yeah. Minimal tourism. Uh, the Avenue, you know, was pretty beat up over the summer. So, um, you know, it's, it's been tough. So that's been a tough one. That is the, um, only property that we're affiliated with that has not come back uh, yet. Every every other property that and restaurant we have, uh, we were able to open either a hundred uh, full time or either limited hours or limited days. But every every restaurant we have is reopened uh, except for uh, uh, Michigan Avenue and and we have a, a wine bar in San Francisco. Uh, that that also is, has been closed. Uh, so those two properties uh, have not come back. We, we're looking forward to, I, I think it's March or April, we should be good, uh, but it's, it's going to, you know, it's probably going to be, it won't be sooner than that. Obviously, a lot of restaurants were built for carryout and delivery. They, they had the tools in place to kind of move forward through this for a higher end restaurant like Michael Jordan's restaurant. A, going back to innovation, I'm sure there were some challenges there because being a high-end restaurant is part, it's experiential. It's not just the food. It's the whole experience of being there and taking it in and the service. It's hard to pivot to this new universe from that. Yeah. 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 I, I tell you, not to cut you off. I'll tell you what we learned in, in Oak Brook, the Michael Jordan's restaurant in Oak Brook is what we, when we first, pivoted just to carry out that definitely that was an issue, right? Cause number one, our bandwidth wasn't built for it. I, I'll, I can talk to you for days about urban belly. I mean, urban belly, like we were built for carry out. It was part of our wheelhouse. Bill has done a phenomenal job with that menu. So they actually did, did well, right. I, you know, 
And I, when I mean well, they did a lot better than most most places, but they were built for it. So we already we were already on all the apps. We already knew delivery. Our staff didn't have to figure out how to do carry out. We were, but in Oak Brook, Michael Jordan's. Um, what really started turn around, we did a whole series with the last dance. If you remember, it was an unbelievable, you know, Michael's thing, which ended up winning awards, but we started creating packages for the last dance. And every weekend we did a package and, and you got, I forget what the number was, but it was, it was very value centric too. The whole idea was a family of four could like get this package. I, I forget. It's just, 25 bucks, 45 bucks. I don't even remember, but it was a great value. We, we had little Michael Jordan's posters uh, that we made uh, that were unique to the store. It wasn't like something you could just buy off the street. Um, and we did these packages and that really started to click. And, and every week we did uh, over the eight week run, we did that and, and we started learning, okay, well, value is important. Okay, packages are important. Okay, we're in the suburbs. It's different than the city. So you got to think of the family component. Maybe we'll build in some kids eat free contests, you know, so the parents order, but the kids eat free. So now the package is more geared towards the family. So to your point, mom and dad, husband, wife, wife and wife, husband and husband, doesn't matter, but they're not going out for a steak dinner and, and, and wine on a Saturday night, but they still want to enjoy something. So we built those packages that way. And that was uh, a really strong uh, pivot for us in terms of learning. But that's what I mean. Like, <clears throat> I, I can't speak for all restaurants. I'm not that smart. But, the, but what happens is if you listen to your customer, they tell you what they're looking for. So I'm maybe not that smart, but I'm a good listener and I pay attention to. And, and when we, I started seeing that, I'm like, okay, there's something there, value, a package, taking care of the kids, you know, tying it to something that's right. They're all going to be sitting watching this. So, so those are the lessons we learned there in Oak Brook. And it, it was, um, and now if you went online now to talk or, you know, we have, you know, a $29 value menu. We have a $39 value menu. Now you can add wine and you can, you can ramp up and make it crazy. But we, we learn like out there that the value, the kids eat free, those things make a difference. Doesn't it seem strange that the last dance was this year? It already yes. feels like it was three years <laughs> yes. ago. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I, it's funny. I was thinking about this conversation today. I'm like, can I use the example of last dance? Well, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, but you're right. It does feel like it was forever ago. Time just flows differently this year when you're yeah. spending all your days and nights, basically in the same place, things. Yeah. Things flow it's like, it's, it's like you're, you know, it's like living in Lebowski. You're like, is it a Tuesday? Is it really Tuesday? You know, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, it's Tuesday, you know? Oh, I guess it's Tuesday. Okay. Staying on the Michael Jordan tip for one second. Yeah. Shepherding the Jordan brand in the service industry, it seems like a mighty responsibility. I mean, if we've learned anything from the last dance, uh, Michael's pretty demanding. He, he knows yeah. what he wants and expects and demands. I, I, I'd imagine that's a, a lot of back and forth, a lot of calls, well, meetings. Well, what I would tell you is, is, is Michael and I, you know, I, I've met him a few times. David Zadikoff, our founder is, had an unbelievable personal and professional relationship with Michael for over 25 years. They did the first big uh, Michael Jordan's, uh, you remember the big building, um, like LaSalle. on Dearborn or yeah, yeah, LaSalle. LaSalle. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
So David and Michael are very close. Josh Zedekoff, David's son, who's our president, has also been very close with Michael over the years. He's known him since he's like five years old or 10 years old. So um, they have really taken, you know, shepherding and, and respecting Michael and, and what he stands for um, to the nth level. We, we do not, it's not like we have Michael's name and we throw it on the front door and, you know, like Michael, uh, you know, is part of the brand. We believe, you know, we make sure, would Michael want to eat here? Would, would Michael believe that this is okay? We actually um, help with his, um, he opened a private club right outside at Jupiter uh, golf club and we do all the food and beverage and it's it's very important that we know you know what what he what his expectation is when it's want. He's got a great small team that is very good about making sure that that expectation is always met. And they're they're very good. They give us a lot of leeway, but they're when they need to step in and, and make sure that we stay you know within a bandwidth, uh, they do. Uh, but David has done such a great job over the years that that rarely, rarely happens. He knows exactly, and so does Josh, how we should be representing and shepherding the brand. You mentioned Urban Belly. What's the best thing on the menu there, and why is it chicken red curry dumplings? <laughs> so, yeah, what's the best thing? I, you know, it's. I'll, I'll tell you a, a funny story. So I, I, I spent the first part of my career with a small little Chicago company called Let Us Entertain You and, you know, grew up with them and it's still very close to Rich and Kevin and RJ and Jared. Yeah, that's they, how I met you. Yeah. They taught me everything. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're great, great company. And I decided to kind of retire early and I was going to consult and, you know, kind of take it easy. And man, I was bored out of my mind. I had a good time, but man, I, I, I realized like I'm too young. I need to be still in it and doing it. And at the time, my wife and daughter are both uh, uh, vegetarian and, and we discovered Bill's place right after, right around, I was still with lettuce, but when I was transitioning out and consulting and we went in a lot and at a certain point um, there's, there's an architect that I used to work with out of Minneapolis called David Shea, who said to me one time, one day I met him for coffee. He's like, I do know David Zadikoff from Urban Belly. I said, I don't. He's like, well, how is that possible? David's been in this industry 25, 30 years in Chicago. You've been in the industry. How do you guys not know each other? I'm like, I don't know. I, we should, but we don't. So David and I met for coffee and just started to become friends. And what happened, this is, I've got a true story. I would start texting David like, hey, I was at Urban Belly. I, I think we should look at this. Hey, I was at Urban Belly. This was really good. But what if we did this? And finally, after a couple months of this, David texts me. He's like, hey, when you're ready to get off the sideline, why don't you come meet me and let's talk about you joining the company? And that's how I ended up uh, joining Cornerstone about four years ago. And it's, it's, it's been it's unbelievable. the most Chicago story I've ever heard. Yeah, it, it's and it's it's a true story. I mean, David was literally like, "Hey, stop screwing around and come help help us run the company." And 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 it's been unbelievable. It's been great, and love these guys, and and we're having a we're having a blast. Um, but it's a true story. So that's uh, so back to Urban Belly. So I went there a lot even before I started to get the pleasure of working with Bill day to day. I, I, to me, there's a couple of favorites. I mean, I, I think uh, the coconut pho is like this unbelievable, unique thing that Bill created. Um, obviously, Bill's like one of, he, I look at Bill as like, he's like the James Brown of ramen in Chicago. He's like the godfather. Like, I mean, there's other people that have done ramen and done a good job, but Bill was doing ramen, 
you know, 15, 18 years ago. Um, and there's other good, you know, Furious Spoon's done a good job. Other guys have done a good job, but Bill's kind of like, he was one of the, the he, he didn't start it. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but he was one of the per- first people to introduce it and do twists and stuff. Um, so ramen is still one of the keys and I'm a big dumplings guy. So I love, I love the dumplings. I'm always pushing Bill like, Hey, can we add another dumpling? Can we add a different dumpling? Uh, Cause I, I'm, I just, I think like if I could go and just eat like 10, 15 dumplings, I would do that and I'd be okay. It isn't part of the, the reason that restaurant is so successful is that their menu is very small. It's, it's a very succinct list yes. of choices. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, the flavors are all unique and bold, but Bill has done an unbelievable job kind of a behind the curtains of, of making sure that the menu's fairly modular and that, you know, there's not hundreds and thousands of, of sauces and things. So it's all prepped. It's all scratch. We still do everything in house, but he's really figured out a way to hone it down um, so that we can deliver chef kind of high end food, but deliver it at 12, 13 bucks. Let's talk a little bit about Bill. It's chef Bill Kim. Cornerstone is all in with chef Bill Kim. Understandably he's, it, it seems like you're giving him, tons of tons of rope to try stuff just be inventive and put stuff out there let's talk about the uh, the pop-ups let's talk about the ramen pop-up let's talk about the pizza and parm concept yeah so first i have to say i mean listen i i i work with a lot of chefs and and there's a lot of great chefs what i love about bill is is since he had his own business and and had to cover payroll and deal with landlords i mean He's not just a chef. I mean, he knows the operations. He understands the operations. So when he creates and does stuff, he doesn't just come to me and say, hey, Danny, here's some ramen, figure out what to do with it. He comes to the table and says, okay, I've got a new ramen. We got to take pictures of it. I got to do a build sheet of it. I got to, we got to teach the staff and then let's get Peter on the phone for marketing and let's talk about how we're going. So it, it's, it's awesome. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a great partnership, but to your point, the ramen um, with a table at Crate is our restaurant that we created with Crate and Barrel out, Oak, out in Oak Brook. Um, and it built, did the whole menu. It's a very kind of green, uh, what I would refer to as kind of a West Coast menu. It's, it's, it, it, there's proteins, but the proteins are very limited. It's a very kind of green vegetable forward uh, menu. And he, he does wonderful things uh, with non-gluten because he, he doesn't do gluten and his wife doesn't do dairy or vice versa. I get it mixed up, but he's done a, like he has these dairy-free mashed potatoes that like I'm addicted to. They're, they're unbelievable. And then we've got this gluten-free chocolate, double chocolate chip cookie that like, you know, I basically eat one a day. Every time I'm there, they're like, uh, Danny, should we get your cookie ready? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So um, anyway, so what happened with the ramen bar is uh, we ran a couple specials at Table at Crate and they did very well. Um, so when we were dealing with everything going on the last several months, um, Bill and I were just brainstorming one day. I'm like, well, let's just do a pop-up. Let's just do a ramen bar pop-up. You know, they, people can't get your ramen, you know, in the city. They're not delivering out here. Let's do a pop-up. Let's set up a whole storefront, you know, a, a, a virtual storefront. Let's do a pop-up. Um, and it just, it took off. I mean, we, we were also open, the patios open out there. So, we had the pop-up kind of menu on top of online and it just took off. I mean, we've, we've been, 
obviously it was the perfect time. The weather had changed too. So yeah. people sitting outside are like, yeah, give me a ramen. Give me what any type of super ramen. So it's, it's, it, it's been great. And it, it was um, wonderful. And then pizza bill. Um, and, there, and there's a, again, there's a lot of people doing good Detroit South pizza. I was just talking to Steve Schwartz with union union pizza. who's was a great friend of mine. Um, but Bill made a pizza kind of a Detroit style. Uh, just as a special at Table of Crate. And let's like stop a, there. Yeah. We hear a lot about Detroit pizza these days. I, I feel like Detroit pizza is having a moment. I don't think it's as understood by the general public. What It's kind of in between, yeah. somewhere in between tavern and deep dish, there is Detroit. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not a, listen, I'm not an expert. Only I can tell you, I love it. So it's, it's basically like, it, it, yes, it's like a pan pizza, uh, but the cheese kind of goes over the edge. So you get kind of that Pequod's ass type crust, mm -hmm. but it's a little lighter, a little more. I like to compare it to like a focaccia as opposed to a really heavy crust. So there's a light and an airiness to it, but you also get that great caramelization around the corners, which is like, right. It's like eating a burnt brownie. It's the same thing. I love like brownies when they get burnt around the edge because oh, yeah. you get that great caramelization. So, so he created one of those and, and we were selling it. And I'm like a pizza junkie. I mean, I listen, I could just drink coffee, eat sweets, and eat pizza all day long. And I'd be I'd be 400 pounds, but I'd be happy. Amen. So, yeah, right? So so I, I had it, and I'm like, Bill, this is unbelievable. This is so great. And I'm also like an old school chicken parm guy. Like chicken parm, chicken parm marinara, cheese, and, noodle, and, and spaghetti. Like, I'm like, Bill, we got to do a concept. I know you're going to laugh, but let's just do – pizza and parm shop. He's like, I don't know, Danny. I'm like, come on. I think it'll be great. I think we could, I mean, we're going to lead with the pizza, but I think this idea of pizza and parm, it's kind of fun. And um, within four weeks, we had a concept called Bill Kim's pizza and parm shop. Uh, he did the, did the menu. We actually work with Craig uh, Cooper, who is our executive chef at Michael Jordan's across the street in Oak Brook. And he helped us roll it out. Um, and we went from literally like, Bill and I just sitting down one day over pizza to logo concept menu open up live within, uh, I think it was three and a half weeks. And so when we talk about like, you got to pivot and you got to do it now, like, mm -hmm. you know, two years ago, you might've talked about it. And then three months later and six months later, like this was like, no, we get, if we're going to do it, we got to do it now. Let's get it going. And that's it. And it was super well received. The first week was way busier than we expected. The next two weeks have been great. I mean, we're, we're only in our third week, um, but really That's well amazing. received and people are digging it. Yeah. You just started this at the beginning of December, but it, that ability to be nimble, that's not something the restaurant industry is known for is turning on a dime, just launching a concept, but in our world of carry out and delivery, which we're all doing now, it makes perfect sense. And the ability to thrive as a restaurant owner has never been greater for that, for that type of, service. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would disagree and say, I think that the restaurant people have always been nimble and from shift to shift, meaning they're really good. Like, Oh, you know, especially Chicago, oh, it's snowing tonight. Wait, we got to cut back. We got to cut back on prep. We got to cut or wow. It's beautiful. Get all the patio furniture, throw it out. Even though the pet, like they've always been nimble like that. I think sure. that's, that's, but to your point in terms of concept creation or rolling something out, everybody's been doing stuff like, you know, in, in, in days and weeks that historically would have been months and years. That's the difference. And I exactly. agree with you on that.
Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, it, it's not like you took a year to get the blueprints out, figure out where the perfect location is going to be. Exactly. What, you know, what the, what the furniture is going to look like. No, this is the food we want to, we want to put out there. We're going to just, we're going to go December 2nd. Let's do it. It's, it's, it's funny. You say it. it's exactly, I, I have the first email I wrote to the team. I'm like, and by the way, it's uh it's Wednesday, December 3rd or whatever day it was. And everybody's like, what? I'm like, that's the day we're going, whether we're ready or not, that's where we're going. That's the day. And, and we hit it and we hit it. And I think that's the secret to great entrepreneurial business decisions. It's the nothing is ever going to be perfect. And I, I think you reach a point of diminishing returns when you go back and forth, trying to finesse something. I think sometimes you just have to pull the cord and make it happen. And then if adjustments need to be made, do it, but just get it out there. Just keep that forward yeah. momentum going. I'm a big, and, and, and my CFO, uh, Matt, who's unbelievable. He la- makes fun of me all the time, but I'm a big, because he's a numbers guy and everything, but I'm a big 80, 20 guy. Like, you know, let's just get it 80% of the way there, get it open, get it. it. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll work on the plane on the runway. I know it's not the best idea, but like, let's just get it up and running. And then, um, and that's one of the skill set that, listen, Rich Melman taught me 25 years ago. He's like, look, just, we're never going to be a hundred percent right, but just listen and learn and, and adjust as you go. And, and that's, I think that's, to me, that's the whole point of the 80 20. You just got to, or look, we could still be meeting about pizza and parm today. We could add 50 more meetings and look at the logo and should we change it or should we do, should we add more things to the menu or less? Or we could have been open for the last three weeks and actually ringing the cash register and getting some good feedback from customers. I, I, I choose to get the feet, get open and, and get the feedback. We've talked a lot about the bigger umbrella topics of running these restaurants, these concepts, what we haven't really talked about other than the chef uh, are the people who are working in the restaurants, the people who are keeping business humming along. Tell me about the people working for the company, how they're doing in relation to yeah, all this. They Listen, I, they've been unbelievable. I mean, the, the, our teams out in Connecticut um, have just been great from the leadership all the way down to the dishwasher. I mean, they, they've been coming in and out every day. They've been flexible. Um, if, if there's been a COVID situation or whatever, they've been flexible in terms of, you know, getting tested, doing what we need to do. Our teams here in Chicago have, have done the same. I mean, it, it, listen, our staff has been unbelievable and, and we can't, uh, you know, every week I, we, you know, every letter, every, we have a monthly newsletter that goes out and they're probably sick and tired of Josh and I, thanking them for all they're doing because they're, they're coming in every day and they're just busting it out. And, you know, I look, I love it because they're, they're here and they're supporting us, but they're also making money, you know, and, and, and that's a good thing. They're making money and they're, they're working and they're out and about, but it's, it, listen, it's um, people, customers in general have been great. Um, I think the kind of first couple months was a little, but everybody's been very respectful uh, you know, whether it's masks, whether it's hand washing, whether it's distancing, whether it's, you know, even, um, you know, Crate and Barrel, like we, today we had a two hour wait, you know, but wow. pe- people, you know, well, we only have so many tables, right? Yeah. But the mall's packed and, but people understand, they're, they're, you know, maybe in years past, you would have got, I, this is ridiculous. Why are there so, you know, but now people, okay, I understand your limited seating and, you know, and we're, and we've had to tell some customers, listen, you, you get the table for an hour and a half, but I, I do have people behind you. And 
again, in years past, you would never be able to do that. But now people are, you know, understanding like, hey, I understand. <laughs> we can't just sit here all day. There's other people and, and you have less, you know, 50% of the tables you used to have or whatever it is. So, um, but back to the staff, I mean, they, they've just, again, uh, above and beyond. I mean, we have not, um, fortunately, we've, we've had nothing but people that have been great that, that have been helpful. And also, frankly, really honest, like if they're not feeling well, they're, they're calling. No, I'm not coming in. I, I don't feel well. Now they might just have a cold or whatever, but I love that. They're not even oh, yeah. right. They're just like, I'm not coming in. We're like, thank you for being honest and being direct or, Hey, by the way, my brother's sister, and I might've, okay, thank you for being honest and direct. Why don't you take a couple days off, make sure you're in good shape before you come back to work. Um, 72 hours, whatever it is, but we they've been very honest and respectful on both both sides. It's been great. It's been great. I'll tell you, it is heartening to hear that the customers have been respectful and responsive. I think we as a society, I'd like to believe that we as a society all agree that if we're going out, if we're spending money in restaurants, be it carry out, if we're sitting down in, in, in a restaurant, we need to tip like we've never tipped before. We need to re- respect these people. I mean, Let's face it, servers, bartenders, et cetera. There is that kind of sort of Damocles hanging over their heads like this could go south. We don't know what, what the future holds for the industry. So they're they're earning their keep. And I, I want to make sure we all continue to support restaurants. Yes, but certainly the, the people who we interact with when we go to those restaurants. Absolutely. Take care I, I mean, yeah, if you're out in the next week or two, you know, especially in Chicago market, be overly generous because, you know, I don't know what January or February is going to be like. Yeah, we got a patio, but, you know. In Chicago, we could have 12 inches of snow and it could be 15 degrees. So, uh-huh. yeah, take care of the people, um, you know, and, and your local neighborhood place, get out there and support them any way you can, any way you can. Um, and that's the best thing you can do. I mean, it's, they are out there. You talk about essential workers, you know, the, the, the servers and the cooks and the dishwashers that are showing up every day. Um, I mean, I, I think they're they're pretty essential to what to, to keeping food on the table for people. Not everybody can make a meal at home. Not everybody can do it. For sure. And it's been said by plenty of people, plenty of people smarter than me, but restaurants define the neighborhoods. Restaurants define the culture, the, the feel of a neighborhood. So supporting them, you're supporting the neighborhood. In supporting them, you're supporting the neighborhood. I, I'm saying stuff that we all know. Anyway, uh, when I think about you and you, you mentioned your, your long time at Let Us Entertain You, and here you are now with Cornerstone. I think of you as a lifer in the industry, and I mean that in a positive way. I'm, for better or worse, I'm probably a lifer in broadcasting. What keeps you dialed into this business, Danny? Um, man, I think it keeps me young. I mean, I really do. I, I think that um, this, the teams I usually work with are, well, now they're even a lot younger than me, but so they keep me on my toes because they're either laughing or making fun of me or, or, or I'm, I'm out bussing tables or running and going. So it, that keeps me young. Be, it, I think there's an energy in, in, in restaurants and hospitality that you don't find day to day. And I'm not slagging on anybody that works at your a classic office job, but you know, there's an energy like there's, we, we got to be ready for lunch. We got to be ready for dinner. You, there's a, there's a, a natural kind of high in just getting out there every day and doing and changing. And I think, listen, if I, if I wasn't doing this, I would have been a teacher because I, I love kind of coaching and mentoring and, and learning and, and, and teaching and developing. I actually teach a leadership class with 
five or six other people in hospitality at Roosevelt, um, which we're bringing back this semester, thank God. Um, but I would be teaching. But to me, I thought found something better because every day I'm teaching and learning and working with people. And it's really, it, it, it's really made a difference. And so it keeps me young. I mean, I, I mean, listen, I learned when I was consulting, I was, I was working like 25, 30 hours a week and people were like, why aren't you happy? I'm like, nah, man, I'm miserable. I'm like, I'm bored out of my mind. Totally I need to be it. doing and, and going. And, and, and that's me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but that's just the world I'm used to, you know, a 40 hour week to me is like, well, I didn't work this week. So it's, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that works for everybody, but it works for me. And that's what keeps me young. And that's what keeps me excited. And what, hey, listen, our team is unbelievable. Bill's unbelievable. Josh, Matt, David is unbelievable. But we have Elizabeth, one of our supervisors. Is, is, she's just smart, smart. Our trainer, it, Hannah, is unbelievable. So I've got this great team. So I, I, you know, I wish it was all me, but it's like this much me and, and the rest of them really making it all happen. As challenging as this past year has been, I know you've done some charitable stuff around Thanksgiving. Yes. As a company. I, this is something I, I find so extraordinary and so wonderful. And I don't, I don't know that it gets talked about enough, but I, I've seen examples of the music industry, the restaurant industry doing charitable things when they themselves are struggling. But that, that notion of supporting one another and doing something to help. Tell me what Cornerstone did or has done. Yeah, so, so this is really this is why I love Bill. And I mean that and like not a Sammy Davis Jr. Man, I love you. This is really why I love Bill. I mean, Bill is, and for anybody under 30 years old, they don't even know what that reference is. If you have anybody under 30 that listens to this, but the, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so um, Bill, I think three, four, four years ago started this idea of chef's giving. And the idea was, you know, we are all blessed to have these great meals, but why can't we make chef-like food for people that are less fortunate? And so he got together with 20 of his chef friends and said, listen, I, all I'm asking you to do is make a great dish and donate it. And we're gonna, we set it up at, um, uh, oh, for Christ's sake, why am I blanking on, on the um, place? But anyway, we, we set it up and, and the chefs would come in. And at first they were just like, hey, drop off your food and we'll have it available for the neighborhood. And everybody's like, no, 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 man, I want to be there. I want to help. I want to work. I want to. And, and so it's evolved over three or four years. And what, what's really interesting, and, and I'm, I'm glad you asked about it because Bill doesn't like to talk about it. And that's why I love working with Bill is he's been doing this. It, it never was about publicity. It was never about getting coverage. He really just wanted to do something great from the chefs of the community to people that are less fortunate and really take care of them. Um, so that's what we did, and or that's what he's done, not we, not even I, that's what he's really coordinated. Now this year, because of the pandemic, we did it all to go. So still all the chefs got involved, they all packaged their meal, and then we did meal kits, and we did over 500 meal kits, but this then we added another element where if you want to participate, each meal is about five bucks. So if you want to, if you're having a Thanksgiving four or five people over, because most people weren't having more than five or six, mm -hmm. if you're having five people over, donate 25 bucks. And so while you're eating, 
assume you're going to take care of another four to five people. And uh, we raised over like uh, three or four, four thousand dollars. So, um, and it, it, listen, it's not me. Bill did this whole thing on his own and a bunch of chefs. Again, uh, Sarah from Monteverde, uh, Giuseppe, uh, Rick Ortiz. I, I could go on and on. I mean, they, 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 I, I wish I had all their names in front of me. I didn't know you're going to ask about it, but they've all been great. And, and, and it's a it's a great project. Craig Cooper, our, our executive chef, who I mentioned, just did a whole thing today, put three or four hundred meals together um, uh, with the uh, River Roast and several other chefs. Again, kind of under the radar. He I mean, he told me like last week, he's like, hey, by the way, I'm doing this whole thing. We're going to I'm like, well, that's awesome. Can I help? No, no, no. I got it all figured out. I'm working with the, the team. But just so you know, that's what I'm going to be working on Monday, Tuesday, which, by the way, are his days off. But he spent all day Monday and Tuesday getting all this done. And they did like 500 meals today. I love hearing that. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's just great stuff. For the independent restaurant owner, for that mom and pop entrepreneur who's clinging to the side of the boat, trying to hang on through the storm, from your years of experience, from what you're currently doing, what advice would you give to someone in this climate looking ahead, seeing, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still a ways down the road. What, what advice or suggestions would you give to that independent owner? You know, it's, you know, it's hard because it, it, everyone's probably a little different, right? For, so for some, it might be, Hey, just conserve as much cash as you can, because you got, you got a great location, great concept and great team. And, just try to conserve cash. And like some of these um, restaurants, which I think is actually smart for, for them are kind of doing, you know, their, their country club kind of closed down. So they're going to close January and February and reopen, you know, mid March to conserve capital and cash and be available for themselves and their team. And so some that might make sense. Some, it might make sense to, lean more into carry out and delivery. Some, it might make sense to, um, if, if they've got a great, if they're an independent, but maybe they can do something in the neighborhood, in the community that they haven't thought about. So, you know, it's hard for me to answer unless I really um, talk to someone directly about what their challenges are and what they're working on. I mean, we're all facing some challenges, but um, that's the beauty of this business. Not every one size doesn't fit all. What, what, right conserving cash for one might not make sense because they might be having some cash, but they're just not managing it correctly or using all their resources properly. So it really, it really depends. But what I will say is, what I will say is if you know me, I'm happy to talk to you. You know, I I talk to um, independents all the time. I love talking to people and just kind of brainstorming and and trying to help them. So um, I, I would, suggest that they reach out to me and I'm happy to share any bit of wisdom I have to try to help. I, I think that's so important and wonderful. And it goes, I've used the word once or twice so far, but community, as we talk about charitable things, that's, that's another example of just being part of that community fabric. What you're describing here, that being supportive of other people in the industry, that's a community of service yeah. professionals. I, I, I love hearing that stuff. All right. So the Cornerstone Restaurant Group, uh, locally, Michael Jordan's restaurant in Oak Brook, Urban Belly over in Wicker Park, uh, Table at Crate in Oak Brook. We've got the uh, Chef, Bill Kim's, Chef Bill Kim's Ramen Bar pop-up. We've got 
Chef Bill Kim's Pizza and Parm Shop. What else am I missing? Am I missing? Well, anything? Michael George on Michigan Avenue when that comes back online, yes. and in Eno Wine Bar. Yeah, those that that would be all of them. Oh, that's that's quite a, quite a portfolio, Danny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm just I, it was all all here. I'm just happy to join the team and, and for the last four years and, and make it make it work. So, well, I appreciate you doing this, and you know we're rooting for your success, your company's success, the industry's success overall. If the restaurant business thrives and survives, we're all going to benefit. So yeah, uh, keep, keep I totally agree. Do. Thank you very much. Thank you.